The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown to zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Nash. And on this week's episode, I visited Salon U in Belleville, Ontario, Canada, and found out they have a very specific program that handles all their salon waste. It's called Green Circle Salons, and they divert waste from landfill and waterways, and it all started in Toronto. But it's now available everywhere in the United States and Canada, and we have Shane Price on the line today. He's the founder and CEO of Green Circle Salons, helping beauty salons from coast to coast become more sustainable. Check out my conversation with Shane Price. Laura, you are right on time. <laughs> Hi, Shane. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Awesome. I'm super great. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show and talk to me today. I'm excited. Oh, you're most, most welcome. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, so I was actually at a salon in the Quinty Mall in the Belleville, Ontario area, You Salon. Oh, yeah. Salon and you. Yeah, Salon You. Sorry, thank you. Uh, and I started talking about my podcast, and then Melissa, my hairstylist, started mm. telling me all about your program, and I was shocked actually i thought it was so cool so isn't that cool that's awesome we um yeah we love the folks at uh, at salon you sal is the owner um and aaron is his sort of you know his chief uh kind of director there and they're an amazing group of people and they've been on this program for a very long time so good on them for for sharing that with you but also all the the you know the waste that's been recovered, uh, the resources I should say that have been recovered as a result of their engagements. Pretty cool, great great people there. So what what type of materials does Green Circle remove from salons? Yeah, great question. So we uh, we go in uh, to salons and we sort of take a look at you know what's available to them in the local market in terms of what are they already capable of recycling. You know, we can we offer our program out across every zip code in the U.S. and every postal code in Canada. Oh, wow. And so there, as you can imagine, there's a whole gamut of opportunities for salon or a lack thereof as it relates to um, waste diversion and recycling. And so, you know, if in worst case scenario, we're taking, you know, about 95% of the salon's waste. Um, and this, typically we see this in the U.S. where we're taking you know, the paper, the plastic, you know, we take all the aluminum foil, the color tubes, um, the caps on the color tubes. Uh, we take away the hair clippings that, that land on the floor. Um, and we also take away the residual chemical waste that's left over in the bowl after a, um, you know, some sort of color treatment with the hair. Right. So we found that that's anywhere between sort of 7 to 15% of the total amount that's mixed doesn't actually get used and put on the hair, but ends up typically being rinsed down the sink. And so we also take that material as well. So quite a bit, um, you know, it's in the range of 85 to 95% of the waste is diverted from most salons on the program. Wow. So what would you do with those leftover chemicals that are in the yeah. bowl? Yeah, no. Um, so there's a couple options that we have. 
some of the options. Uh, so our, our priority, uh, and we do this uh, in the U.S., is the material can actually be kind of centrifuge, so you're able to separate kind of the liquid portion from the the solid solid portion. And the solid portion is you know anywhere from three to five percent of the total mixture of the chemical is kind of a solid material that there is nothing you can really do with it besides you know it can go to waste energy and in many cases uh, it goes to secured landfills so that it just simply you know doesn't get into the environment the remainder the liquid portion can actually be neutralized into salt and water and can go back into the waste stream um, into the water stream when I say waste stream the, the wastewater stream and and go through the you know the city's wastewater treatment system and so by removing the solid waste we remove sort of the contaminants that generally do not break down in nature. And so by doing so, obviously, we're keeping those types of materials from getting out into our lakes and streams and oceans. Wow, that's so good. That's so amazing. What do you do with the hair? What is that used for? Yeah, so um, it's been a kind of a a very interesting journey, uh, as you can imagine, because, um, you know, it's it's a kind of material that is, um, what's great about it is it's it's kind of like a natural resource. It's grown locally. It's... uh, it's sort of one of those things that will always be um, in our communities. But the last thing we want it to do is to be going into the landfill because hair, like other carbon-type based materials, when it breaks down in landfill, it, it, it breaks down in sort of the anaerobic-type conditions in landfill, and therefore it creates methane. And so mm-hmm. not only does it take up space, but it actually creates its compounds, um, the issues, and, and creates methane. And so we are working with, or we've been working with Virginia Tech in the U.S. for about a year and a half. And we also had a, a grant from the Canadian government to work with uh, through Sanford Funding. And really, our focus uh, has, has been in two areas. And, and one is to utilize the hair, and this is something that we've done in the past quite a bit, but to utilize the hair for picking up oil when there is a spill of some sort. So when there's a contamination, um, as there was in the uh, the BP oil disaster in uh, 2010, uh, we happened to have at that time about a thousand pounds of hair uh, in stock. We had kind of just started around that time, so we didn't have much hair. But there was a group of volunteers and an organization based out of the U.S. called Matter of Trust. They were collecting the hair, accepting it, and turning it into what I guess they call a hair boom. And a hair boom is a bit like, you know, kind of like a stocking type of material, and instead of using uh, manufactured products like polypropylene, they were putting hair inside the stocking kind of tube and using that to pick up oil. And so it's incredible as hair is actually one of the most oil-absorbent materials on the planet. No way. So there's, wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So there's a lot of potential in that space, but with anything, you've got to have the research to support it and the you know, all the data that's there. And so we are engaged in in that work right now. In the last 18 months, as I said, we've been working with Virginia Tech to explore how hair could be used to create a biocomposite type of material. And so we have been able to put hair through a process so that we're able to convert it to a new type of kind of like a bioplastic. You use hair uh, and you use recycled plastic uh, from either post-industrial or post-consumer, blend it together, makes a whole new type of plastic. 
Uh, and so with Green Circle, you know, you can imagine when we set salons up, they're going to need bins to put their all their materials into. And currently we do have a bin system that we give salons. But instead of, again, using a manufactured product that comes from, you know, our, you know, precious resources, we are now closing the loop and creating a cradle-to-cradle type of product that's a recycled bin, recycling bin that's actually made from recycled hair and recycled plastic. Um, and so this, this is this part's very exciting for us um, because when you really figure out how to use this hair in in this application, there are hundreds um, of different applications that you can use use it for uh, as a as a base for um, structural material. So we're kind of excited about that. Wow, I wish you could see my face right now because I feel like yeah. my eyes are just so wide because <laughs> I, I had no idea that you could use hair for anything. <laughs> so, oh, that's awesome. I'm, I wish I could see your face. This, um, this is so yeah, great. You know what? It, it's a cool material, actually, because I, you know, before I got into this, I had no idea what was, you know, what was happening in the world of hair. But hair has a bunch of unique properties that really kind of separates it out from other fibers that you'd find, um, you know, that, that you'd find naturally. And, um, and there, in fact, there are many fibers out there that, that have similar properties. Um, and, and in places in Europe, you know, they've been exploring the use of, um, of duck or, um, goose, uh, or chicken feathers, for example, to extract the keratin, uh, from hair. And so keratin is a type of protein that, that hair is composed of. And you can actually create, if you've got pure protein, you can actually then create plastics from pure protein. And so there's exciting things happening in that world. And so with Green Circle, we're kind of pushing the needle in exploring how you can actually take material that's otherwise bound for landfill and really extract the, the proteins from it to create a new type of very pure plastic. And, and it's all very exciting, but it's a work in progress. We have an amazing team of people that we work with. And uh, yeah, we're, we're really excited about the future of this. Wow, I'm excited too. And right now, are you using like cardboard boxes like TerraCycle does for the? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. So we use uh, cardboard boxes. um, They're branded. They kind of have a wax liner on the inside. So it it keeps the boxes from breaking down because sometimes the material that salons has is wet. And so, um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, so that's, that's our solution right now. And uh, and it, it, it works well. But again, we would like to close the loop on this other material, hair fiber. Okay, so let's talk about Green Circle a little bit as the company. Cool. Now that I know how it works a little bit, and now that I know that hair is so valuable, I just I <laughs> I almost want to like just go on Google and just start like searching like uses for hair. Awesome, do <laughs> it. There's so, so cool. much there's so much content too in Google about about hair, and you know you know Laura to your point, it it it's kind of been something that has been used throughout history. Like it it dates back a very long time that humans have been using hair in, in some form as a type of structural material. Um, really? You know, that, uh, yeah, that has um, valuable properties for sure. Interesting. You know, I have a toothbrush from Lauren Singer's shop in Brooklyn. It is yeah. wooden, a wooden handle, and then it's made yeah. with horsehair bristles. Not yeah. the same thing as, as human hair, sure. but um, sure. it, it did work quite well because the problem, of course, with wooden toothbrushes is you get the nylon bristles. And right. then what are you supposed to do with those, right? So Exactly. Oh, very, exactly. Exactly. Very and you find that I've, I've always found that it comes out the nylon bristles come out of the uh, the wooden the wooden handled brushes. So 
Yeah, really neat. That's cool. Yeah, and people say they pull them out with pliers, but then you can't just put them in a blue bin because they're just going to blow away. Like, they're not actually going to make it no, into a that's new a product. Great, that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm struggling with, with that a little bit. But let's talk about Green Circle. So, so you're the CEO, right? That's correct, yeah. Did you found the company too? I did, yeah. Wow. Yeah, back in 2009... I, yeah, I guess I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, in a salon, I realized that there was a problem. I saw a problem. And then I, I sort of began work on on potential solutions. Uh, and then I sort of was suddenly like, okay, I need some support. And I brought on a founding team uh, that then we all sort of worked together to come up with what is the set of solutions that's going to allow us to effectively build a relationship with salons that is not only about um, just not about waste diversion, but how do we build sustainable long-term relationships with uh, with the stakeholders that are going to make all of this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I'm not sure if you want me to sort of get into this about our model, but you know, we kind of developed a program that would allow salons to be green through the waste diversion, to build revenue uh, on a sort of on a on a on a monthly basis. Uh, and to generate new clientele by being recognized for the efforts that they were sort of taking to divert this waste. And it's been an effective platform for us as a, as a company because our stakeholders are kind of, you know, everybody gets to win in that formula. And we always say around our office, you know, everyone's involved and everyone wins. Salons get to divert their waste and reduce the impact they're having. They're getting recognized for that positive uh, impact in their community, and they're kind of giving back in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, the salon guest feels good because, you know, they get to go to a salon that's being environmentally and socially responsible. And and I think that part is really important because, especially nowadays, people have options as to where they shop and where they buy. And, and there's a ton of communication about, you know, their choices online or word of mouth or what have you. Um, and this just makes it that much easier for a, a, a consumer to say, you know what, I want to support brand to align with my beliefs. Um, and so it, it feels like a real win-win kind of thing that we've created. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so the, the salon, when I talk about uh, generating revenue, the program allows for salons to generate additional revenue and then kind of reinvest that, that additional revenue in other technologies um, that, that help to make their business more sustainable. So if I'm a salon, I'm saying, okay, well, where can I look at reducing the impact I have because... I know that if I can reduce my environmental impact, I'm likely reducing, you know, my cost as a company and therefore increasing my bottom line. And it's important that companies look at that. Mm-hmm. And our model really takes environmental sustainability and financial sustainability um, very seriously because they're tied together. And um, and so, yes, yeah, so salons may invest in something like low flow faucets. Um, uh, you know, we partner with a company, um, in, in the U.S. called EcoHeads, and they create a really great product that's specific for salons, and it gives, um, it, it helps salons, obviously, to reduce the amount of water they're using, and in many parts of the world, it's, um, it's, a, it's a growing uh, issue, um, the water crisis, and particularly places in the U.S., so very important for salons to consider that, and the model that we have provides for them to be able to do it. We help to provide the education and awareness about where those opportunities are and and we try and amass or bring together really great brands or products that are helping to reduce businesses impact so 
you know, we would encourage salons to look at how do you, how can you reduce your impact, um, increase your bottom line by implementing these types of green strategies. Wow. And do you see salons ever going to the refill side of things? Is that yeah, something good, you see? Good question. That's a really great question. Uh, you know, it depends on the brand that they carry. Mm-hmm. And so some of the brands that they might carry have that option. But from what I can see, most of them do not. It would be an exception and not the rule. But I certainly see that as a really great opportunity uh, for for all of business to embrace uh, because that would that would dramatically support a, a healthier environment for sure. That, that's something that salons, um, mm-hmm. both salons and manufacturers and distributors should be looking at. Yeah, I would love to find that because right now I have to go to Ottawa, which is like three hours away if I want to yeah. get a jar of shampoo. And so I'm using shampoo bars and I don't know what's up with me or my hair, but the bars <laughs> don't really do the best job, the job that I hey. want it to do. So Hey, just do what I do and don't don't wash your hair. <laughs> you don't wash your hair? No. Well, I do. I do wash it, but I mean, I, I wash it maybe like every every two months, every three months. So a bottle of shampoo for me lasts, it expires. I think well, <laughs> like, I keep using it, but I mean, it, it, it's kind of like one of those things. And, it, you know, no, I'm not sure everybody can do that or want to do it. I do rinse, but I don't, I don't wash, but for every maybe couple months. And I, and, you know, some people will say that's a really great thing for your scalp and for your head. And other people will say, well, I just can't do it because my hair is too, too X, Y, Z. It doesn't mm-hmm. work in my, in my lifestyle or what have you. But yeah. And I've never tried the shampoo bar. I should try that. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't work for everyone, like you're saying. And it, what's really fun about hair, and you must kind of notice this too in the industry, is that yeah. there's so many different kinds of hair. And there are Absolutely. so many different kinds of products and different kinds of things that work for people. And I think that's kind of an, an exciting part of it. Absolutely. And, and just to reinforce that from a, from a scientific standpoint, like looking at, you know, we're doing some of the research, there are certain hair types that are better at absorbing oil than others. Oh. Or, um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting and uh, certain hair fibers that are, you know, better at uh, as a um, absorbent of other types of chemicals as well. So we don't just look at oil. We, we look at, you know, 25 different types of chemicals that get into our environment. And so it's kind of fascinating to see how different hair types uh, absorb these chemicals differently. It's oh, my cool. goodness. It's fascinating. Yeah, now I'm now yeah. I'm thinking of like all the different kinds of hair. <laughs> I'm, yeah, work. Totally. I'm yeah. not too much of a DIYer, but if I was, yeah. I think I'd be wondering if I could like use my own hair for something, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting you say that because what I've I've heard in the past, some salons that are uh, part of our program, they'll tell us that farmers come in and they will collect the hair that's in the salon and they'll put it down in their fields because it, it helps deter. It acts as a repellent, actually. It keeps some of the wildlife away from their fruits and veggies. Um, yeah, namely like raccoons and squirrels because I think because, I think the reason is because it has a human scent and so therefore um, animals just kind of want to avoid the area or something. I'm not, I'm not totally sure. But I, I think that's kind of the idea behind it, which is pretty cool, right? Wow. Yeah, that is very cool. And I guess, too, like the little lids and containers, I guess they could be more made into like those plastic bins you were talking about, too, right? So you can recycle all of those little things. Because in in our area, our recycling doesn't take anything small, because we have this big, like, 
shaking, like a, uh, what do you call it? I don't know. It's like a screen and things like straws, like those plastic sucker sticks, all those things just fall through, right? Like it has to be like basically the size of a bottle almost to make it uh, through into the bailing system. And I I think Toronto would be fairly similar. Um, So yeah, it's really good that you take all those like little tiny pieces away because most people put them in the recycling and they don't really know that it's probably not getting through. So yeah, I think, uh, and that's a, that's a great point. And I think the key is, part of the key is, is, you know, like it's, you know, we're kind of like a boutique recycler, right? In a way. Yes. Um, Yeah. It's not how I describe the business, but when we're talking about it in this particular circumstance, you know, the, the, um, the, the secret or the, the, the way to achieve real recycling, um, effective recycling is that you, you have to separate at the source these materials. So you, you know, when you stream the material into pure plastics or into just pure paper and, and metals and, you know, glass and you, you're able to kind of break it down that way at the source, it helps dramatically with the, the, the amount of material that can be recycled. Um, and, you know, you can only imagine the strain and the pressure that's on uh, the residential recycling and all the waste that comes in. It's natural that not all of it's going to be able to be recycled. They're going to have to sort of draw a line somewhere in terms of how the system is able to manage it. But when you are able to, with businesses, um, and what we figured out with salons, is they're very happy to support uh, source separation at the salon level it really makes a big difference in terms of what you're able to capture and recycle. Mm-hmm. This is just so cool. I had no idea that it was, it was so big and um, you're, you're Canadian, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I was raised in Cambridge, uh, Ontario and, um, and, uh, and started Green Circle in 2009 in, in Toronto. So I, I live, uh, yeah, just sort of North of Toronto. Yeah. So you started this year in Toronto and then now you're, you're, you're wide in America and in Canada, like across both countries? Yeah, exactly. Wow. So we kind of, yeah, we started in Toronto uh, with a focus group of about 20 salons. Um, and I just, I just take my hats off to them every time I think of them because, you know, at that time we just, we just were trying to figure it all out. And they were amazing to help get us off the ground. And so we, um, once we kind of figured out how, how to do it here in, in Ontario, you know, it was sort of 2009, we launched, we had our first customers come on board, our first salons come on board in 2010. And in 2012, we launched in Vancouver. And we thought that was the smart next move because yeah. of the sort of the, the mindset around sustainability. Mm-hmm. And it was, it helped us to really grow. Uh, and then we launched in uh, the following year, we launched in Alberta uh, and in Quebec. And then in 2014, we launched in uh, Illinois, in the U.S., and when we launched in Illinois, what we did was we launched with a program called Hairmail instead of Airmail, Hairmail, <laughs> kind of a plan of words. Yeah. <laughs> and that allowed us to scale pretty rapidly because we no longer required having a, you know, a logistics team in every city we wanted to be able to support uh, the, the, the waste uh, recovery and resource recovery. So we, and so, yeah, so we basically partnered um, with, third-party logistics and and we're able to yeah just pretty much overnight collect materials from every zip code in the united states and every postal code in canada and just all across canada and the u.s it's allowed us to scale very rapidly and um and it speaks to the fact that you know it's almost like people have been looking for the solution 
And we just kind of happened to be the group that opened up that door and people were, you know, literally like, how quickly can you get to, you know, to our region? And it took us a few months in the U.S., uh, probably closer to a year, not a few months, but a year to kind of figure it out. But we quickly were able to, uh, yeah, to get it out uh, to to everyone who kind of wanted to be on the program. And so, so it's been exciting that way. Yeah, absolutely. So what is it about you specifically, Shane, that makes you care about the environment so much? Like what, what's driving you to make this amazing change? I think if, if I went back to when I was starting this company and getting to work with the people that I got to work with in those days, getting Green Circle off the ground, I, for my part, I certainly just have always had a very healthy relationship with the outdoors. So a mom and dad uh, who had five children and uh, and their appetite for being in the outdoors and camping and hiking and all of that stuff, I guess probably uh, instilled in me a desire to do what I could, the little piece that I could could um, or can to protect what we have. I've always been a fan of, of David Suzuki and, you know, the nature of things growing up, um, nice. you know, watching that and, and you know, and as a, in my older years, sort of the literature and the research uh, that's been produced. Uh, I lived in Japan for eight years, and I met David's daughter, Severin, in uh, in Japan. And that kind of had a profound impact on me, too. I got to kind of work uh, kind of closely with her and listen to her talk about a project she was um, working on. And that that inspired me. And so I I thought, you know, if, if, if that's what's going on there and, and we're really facing these issues that we're facing, you know, maybe there's something that um, that I can do. So I had a company in Japan that focused on, on the environment. But when I came back to Canada, like I said, I came back in 2008. And in 2009, I just was in the right place at the right time. And it made it made good sense because there was a real problem uh, in the industry. And there was a, a gap around what the industry was, how they were managing the downstream impact of all the beauty that they create. And so today, I would say, I guess, why is because I have recognized that it's not difficult to bring people who care about the same things you do together. You know, you lead with something remarkable and and people who um, it resonates with will follow. And when we talk about things like clean air and clean water and clean soil, you know, it, it really doesn't take much. People want that. Business owners want it, but you know you have to balance those wants against the costs and the resources that they have. And so, and so for me, it's been a, a great challenge to try to figure out with my team how we can make a tremendous impact, specifically in the salon and in the beauty industry, um, by you know recovering all the resources that would otherwise go into landfill. Nobody wants to see that happening, especially today. You know, we get that. And the more we learn, the more we read, the more we sort of see what's going on around us in society, the more we recognize that we, you know, (laughs) we have a rapidly increasing global middle class and we have a rapidly depleting, um, uh, rapidly depleting resources. And so we have to balance this and we have to do it quickly. And so, you know, I, I, for me, I'm in the most exciting time of my life because I get to marry something that I'm passionate about um, with a life kind of career, I guess. That's awesome. And I like what you said about the beauty part, because mm-hmm. when you leave a salon, mm-hmm. you feel beautiful, right? Your hair looks That's good. It. 
you know, but then there's like this bag of trash that you're leaving behind that's going to go sit in landfill for like, what, 200 years or something? <laughs> so Exactly. Exactly. And some of this stuff just never, it just never breaks down. And, and some of it goes in landfill, but it, you know, ultimately it creates a compounding issues like methane gas uh, production or carbon dioxide that gets released. And we know we have issues there, but you're right. You know, when people ask me, what do you do? Um, it's kind of like, okay, so yes, we recover, we repurpose resources, but on a, on a deeper level, and I think of a, a more exciting level, we're really making beauty beautiful. You know, we, and we tap mm-hmm. into a creative group of individuals and business owners, the salons, who they make beauty every day. So this just is a natural tie-in and a marriage to what they already do. You know, they get to now just keep keep beauty, the planet itself, beautiful by carrying out their services, which is kind of cool when you think about it. Yeah, without that behind-the-scenes yeah. trash stuff in the back, it's, you know, there's exactly. a use for it now. It's great. You must build so many relationships, basically, because you would have to build the relationships with the salons, but then also with the people who are turning it into something new. Mm-hmm. So the people mm-hmm. like at, uh, you said, I think it was Virginia Tech that's doing the research, yeah. right? And then I would assume that you have people in Toronto who are maybe taking the plastic and turning it into uh, like your bins. Is that happening in Toronto? Exactly. exactly. So, so yeah, lots of different relationships on many different layers. We have, mm-hmm. you know, um, around Green Circle, we call them stakeholders because everybody's kind of involved in the success of all of this. But the, so the manufacturer, we'll call it that, the creation of the bins is, in its prototype stage right now. And so we've got prototype bins that we've manufactured, but that's, that's working with, I mean, talk about relationships, you know, to do that, there's been probably 20 new vendor relationships built in order to create this opportunity. You know, again, it starts at the research level with Virginia Tech, but then when you take, once you take the research and the findings outside of Virginia Tech, you're then going out into industry and you're working with you know, manufacturers of, you know, molding companies and mm-hmm. the companies that manufacture molds and you're working with, um, you know, chipping companies and um, extrusion companies who extrude the, the plastics. And so it, it's a fascinating world that we've gone to discover that we certainly, you know, three years ago would never have imagined. But yeah, definitely building really great relationships for sure. The plastic that we take from salons right now, it doesn't get converted into the, the bins. It doesn't go, it's not that direct yet. Um, but if you look at our kind of our three to six year vision of the company, that's absolutely a piece of it is how do we, how do, so right now we're trying to close the loop on hair. You know, next will be how do we close the loop on metals? You know, you've got all these foils that let's, how do we turn those into foils that go right back into salon? Oh, right. Um, yeah. You know, how do we, yeah, all that stuff, right? And how do you work with, you know, manufacturers? Part of our, our model is that we, you know, we partner with all these cool brands out there that are really thinking about sustainability as well from their viewpoint. And, you know, everyone looks through a different lens. Screen Circle lens is very different from our partners. But, you know, we partner with all these beauty product manufacturers to look at their challenges, too. And, and how can we help support and solve those? Um, and so that's been, again, another in terms of building relationships. It's another layer of that. And um, it's exciting when you begin to think that you can you can really shift an entire industry, and and it, it doesn't take long. But as we were saying earlier, it takes connecting with the right people within the organization that really believe what you believe and and believe in our future, right? 
This is so huge. I, I had no idea that it was this big, and I'm so happy to hear all this. And <laughs> like the relationship building just must be so important. And we have this problem with food. So whenever I will, you know, tell someone who owns a food store or something that, you know, this package isn't recyclable, but maybe this one will be better. I just find a lot of people like aren't on that page. Like they don't, they don't care yet. So it's so good mm-hmm. to hear that salons do and that you're finding these people who care and, and putting it all together and, and putting the puzzle together of a better world, basically. Yeah. You know, can, and thank you for saying that, Laura. And I just, one, one thing that is, I think, what underpins the success of all of this is that the salon community, the people who cut your hair, care. They care. And that to me is like, it was the aha moment in this company when I got to start building relationships with these salon owners because they care about the people that are sitting in their chair. And I've never seen this in any other industry. And so they are jazzed to share with their customers and their salon guests the type of stuff they're doing that's helping. And it's not about getting recognized. It's simply about the fact that they get to participate in a program that helps their business reduce the impact on the planet. And isn't that cool? And, you know, you know, the best way to market anything is to sit down and have a conversation with somebody. And you've got salon guests and customers sitting in chairs for maybe an average of 40 minutes per hair service. So what better opportunity? There is no better opportunity than to connect with your clients at that time to share these cool stories. And then, and then they get to go home and tell their friends and their family about this cool stuff that their salon's doing that's helping the planet. So it really is, it really is about the relationship, 100%. That's funny because that's how I found out about Green Circle as I was sitting in that chair. <laughs> yeah. And I was actually go. turning my hair back to, my hair is like a normal light brown, but it's been blonde okay. for years. And I was like, yeah. okay, if I'm really going, you know, hardcore zero waste, then yeah. I should go back to my normal color. And as I was, I found out that maybe I don't have to so much because of Green Circle. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's oh, so funny. That's funny. Um, funny. That's cool. Yeah. And it's really interesting, too, from a psychological perspective that you say that people care so much in salons, which makes me wonder if people in a service industry that are providing this, like maybe people who cut hair are more caring personalities. I don't know. That's interesting. Well, yeah, we've, we've done a deep dive recently into this because it's, it's fascinating. And I, you know, I mean, I've, we've all been to a doctor, dentist, um, you know, all these different places that we get to interact with people for slightly extended periods of time. And I, I gotta be honest, I didn't go into a salon until 2009 to get my hair cut. I'd never been into a salon. It was my, you know, I kind of, I was either at a barber or my dad cut my hair, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until I sat down in a chair with the same guy that cuts my hair today. So he was, he was actually um, the first salon to ever reach out to us. Before that, we were kind of cold calling, knocking on doors and hoping to hear back from people. But he was the first guy that contacted me and said, Hey, I really, I really love what you guys are doing. Can you come and talk to us about it? And I did. And, and his name is John at Salon Evoke. And I kind of said, you know, if, like, thank you, number one, for, for calling us. Two, I need a haircut. Would you cut it? <laughs> um, and then kind of three, you know, as long as you're a member of our community, I would, I'll would i just keep on coming to you. And I've never stopped, and he's never stopped being a member. But what I've learned from him and, and, and many, many salons, um, but what I've learned is that it, it's just this incredible opportunity to share with someone 
who I, I don't honestly know how they do it because they may cut eight to 10 people's heads every day, like heads of hair. And yet you feel uniquely important and you feel like they remember your stories and you get this deep connection that I, I tell John things that I don't, I don't think I tell anybody. Um, and so <laughs> it's kind of cool, right? It yeah. all comes out and it's, it's therapeutic. And so maybe it's something to do with the fact that they're touching your hair and, you know, they're, you know, they are creating beauty too, right? They help to build confidence in the people that they're working with because without the industry, I mean, we'd all have, <laughs> we'd look very different. I think we're very fortunate. And I, I just really applaud that industry, the, the beauty industry and the hair industry, because they're, um, they really are rock stars and they're very, it's a very special group of people. What a nice way to look at it. It's uh, yeah. it's nice to look at things from different perspectives. So if people are interested in signing up for the program, so if somebody owns a salon sure. anywhere in Canada or the U.S., do they just green circle, Google it, and there's a place to sign up? Absolutely. That's it. They can Google it, and you know they can join us on social media. There's a, you know, it's kind of an 800 number, and if you want it, but I can give you that to you. Sure. Um, at one eight seven seven four two four three three two seven, or yeah, greencirclesalons.ca.com. It all works, and uh, and yeah, we'd love to hear from from any salon or anybody, in fact, that that's helping to contribute to positive change. So, um, yeah, that's us. Absolutely awesome. And then they they'll sign up, and then uh, I I suppose they would pay to take to have it taken away. Exactly. So we have a unique funding model uh, that's set up so that um, they pass to take it away, but the net net is that they generate revenue on the program. So salons in our program are generating revenue on a monthly basis, um, and the net net is that they're positive, they're they're in the black uh, in terms of revenue generation around our program. And it's a unique funding tool that allows salons to, again, like I said, allows them to be green, to build revenue, and to gain clients. It's a very unique model, and it works really well. And so, yeah, all they'd have to do is is either Google us, give us a call, and we can walk any salon through the program, how it works, and, and see if it's a good fit. That's awesome. Um, and I'm sure that they know how it works now because of this episode. And I know more about how it works. And I know more about the salon <laughs> industry, too. And yeah, you, awesome. I feel like you're yeah, this, like, cool. Canadian icon now because you've done so much for an entire industry. And I think, I feel like you're just beginning. Like, I know it started in 2009, oh. but I... Laura, you're... You're so right. It feels that way. It kind of feels like that every day. It feels like we're just beginning every day. And it's just, it's fun to pioneer something new. And I, I'd never really done that before. Um, and I feel really lucky to get to do it in this space with so many great people and, and people like you, who now I get to explore your podcast and read and listen to the more. And I, I love podcasts. I'm a po- podcast listener for sure. Nice. Um, and I, I, so yeah, so I applaud the work you're doing and spreading the news about who's changing who's changing the the scene and changing the world and and we need we need more of you in the world too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, there's some amazing people that have come on and we're all taking our little piece and doing what we can and honestly, I think that's the purpose of life is to find a a problem or a challenge and work on it or even solve it if you can and if you can't solve it in your lifetime, at least you could work on it and like contribute to it. So That is totally <laughs> it. That's totally it. And so this is part of the solution is how do we communicate and create awareness? So I love it. I yeah. love love the work you're doing. Oh, cool. Thank you so much. Well, thank you yeah. Shane. Thank you for coming on the show and uh it was just such a pleasure to talk to you yeah excellent thanks for any time and uh, yeah thanks so much to you 
This week on my Countdown to Zero Waste, I've been reaching out to my federal politicians to create a federal electric car rebate in Canada because our provincial premier scrapped the provincial rebate when he removed us from the cap-and-trade system we had in place with Quebec and California. Hopefully we see a federal rebate for electric vehicles here in Canada soon. Don't forget to subscribe to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast on whichever platform you listen in on. And you can follow me on Instagram at zero underscore waste underscore countdown. And if you're interested in becoming a patron of the show, you can find us on Podbean and click the button that says become a patron. Or you can click the little red button that says reward. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown podcast.